On today's show, we are going to be joined by longtime NBA media member and former LA Daily News writer Howard Beck to talk about the Clipper offseason. What direction does he think the Clippers should go? What does the new collective bargaining agreement mean for Russell Westbrook and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George's future with the team? And what does this era say about the Clippers relative to when Howard was covering the Lakers? We'll be joined by him on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Joining us now is longtime media member and contributor for Locked On Sports this upcoming summer, Howard Beck. He also wrote for the LA Daily News for the Lakers. Really glad to be joining us to talk some Clippers basketball. Howard, thanks so much for making the time to join us. Ah, great to be here, Darren. Thanks for having me. So today we're going to talk about a couple of things. One, um, what direction you think, you know, somebody who's not necessarily a Clipper fan, what direction you think the Clippers should go. Secondly, what the new collective bargaining agreement means for the Clippers in terms of Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, potentially asking for extensions and then Russell Westbrook situation. And then I also want to get a lens of what the Clippers were like when you covered the Lakers and you were in Los Angeles. And we can kind of compare and kind of look at this two, one, three, Paul George, Kawhi era, big picture. And I want to see what you think about it. Uh, So let's start off right away with what direction you think the Clippers should go this summer. There's been a lot of talk about this. It's been another underwhelming season for us here in Los Angeles as Clipper fans, obviously with the health of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, new stadium opening up after next season. What are your thoughts on the direction that we should go? Yeah, listen, I know there's been a lot of, you know, discussion, buzz, anxiety, um, and, and the usual, you know, flurry of hot takes in the wake of another flame out. And the fact is like, I, I have the least interesting response to this as possible, possibly. And I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry. I do not have a great hot take. I think they just have to run it back. Like there are teams. So when the bucks flame out and yes, Giannis, I'm sorry. It was a failure when the bucks <laughs> flame out, uh, you can look at that roster and say, well, you know, there's, you know, Giannis is still in his prime. How's the supporting cast look? Well, it's a little old in spots. You know, do you need to swap out some of of the age for youth or whatever? How do you replenish? And they're kind of backed against the wall anyway because of cap reasons and other stuff too. And they'll probably run it back. So that's one example of, you know, a team that kind of has to, to, you know, you know, face a a moment like this, right? Um, There are various versions of this over the years in the NBA. And there are times when it's very, very clear that, that the thing to do is to, maybe it's an entire teardown, right? The blow it up thing. Maybe it is, you've got great stars. This is often the case, right? You often have great stars, but your supporting cast has failed. And you're just trying to replenish the, support, the supporting cast around your stars. The Lakers have kind of gone through that in the wake of like, you know, a few years ago, they win their championship. And then they've just churned trying to find the right supporting cast again. The Clippers, it's so bizarre because they have the inverse of this. The supporting cast is fantastic. Their depth is the best in the league. Um, their, their, their depth is what got them, you know, made, kept them competitive in a, in a series against the Suns that otherwise they might've been swept out of. It's their stars that are the problem, but you can't replace the stars that easily. 
Um, you're not trading either of these guys. You do have a quandary about whether to extend them. You're not, there's no other way forward other than keep Anthony, or excuse me, keep, keep Paul George, keep Kawhi Leonard. Way too many teams on my mind at the same time. Keep these guys um, and keep the supporting cast. We'll talk about Russ, probably bring back Russ and just hope for the best. I don't know if you like need to keep your fingers crossed at all times during waking hours or load up on rabbit's feet or pray to the basketball gods. I, you know, th- th- I don't know. I don't know if there's like some kind of like, you know, uh, unexplored surgeries that would replace all of the limbs of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George with, you know, the, the limbs of 25 of year olds instead. I don't know. All I know is you have two elite players, two at their best, all NBA caliber players and a really strong supporting cast. And everybody in the league knows, and they still discuss it this way, that if that team is at full strength and healthy, they would have been as good a shot as anybody to come out of the West. Now, can you rely on Kawhi Leonard or Paul George to get through a season healthy? I mean, I think recent history suggests, no, you can't. But I don't know what the answer to that is. As I say, you're not getting rid of them. Um, You can try to supplement them in ways that maybe get them through the season. You you still can't account for an injury that may happen along the way. If you bring back Russ and it takes a little bit of pressure, playmaking pressure off those guys, or, hey, there's nights when we can rest those guys and Russ can run the – fine. It still may not head off the next Kawhi Leonard knee injury or the next Paul George injury. Like, there's no answer for that. Like that, that, that's just not a thing that exists. We don't have, we don't, we can't toggle off injuries for the Clippers. Um, It's not a video game. So I really think that their only practical way forward is to basically run it back and hope for the best. Uh, And I will just say as a, as a quick aside to that, or as part of the case for that, you know, down the stretch of the regular season, when I would ask people around the league in this weird year in the West, who's coming out of the West open-ended question and the teams that came up most often were not the teams at the top, the Nuggets, the the Grizzlies, the Kings. It was Warriors and Clippers. Because at that time when I was asking that question, Paul George was healthy or there was still a chance later that maybe he'd come back, whatever. But those were the teams that everybody had the most faith in, I think, based on personnel, depth, ability to play defense at a high level. So, yeah, um, there's nothing the Clippers can do in the draft or free agency that is going to – fix their biggest problem, which is they can't keep their two stars healthy. So you said a couple of interesting things there, and I wanted to ask some follow-ups. One, I understand what you're saying, and I think that you're probably right. That's the most logical way they're going to go about it. But I want to ask you, just as a basketball fan, do you truly believe that these two players can win a championship for this franchise, given their health? Because there's already enough bad juju in the air when it comes to the Clippers. You're going to have to do the unthinkable to – I said it needed the unthinkable to even get out of the second round. It took Terrence Vance scoring 37 points in game six to do that. To win the championship, there's going to need a lot of good luck. And that's the one part we really lack as Clipper fans throughout the years. Do you really think that these two can win a championship together given their injury history? Yes, because all it takes is for them to be healthy at the right time. And and look, th- these are the things you just cannot account for, right? Like you you can't plan for it. You can't account for it. You can't fix it. You can't head it off. Um, some of this is just fate. You know, there are teams, again, I've seen years where a team had just a really tough 
uh, injury run with a bunch of their players. And what they decided or concluded was, you know what? We need a different program. We need a different medical staff. We need different trainers. We need a different approach. I've never heard even slight rumblings of suggestion that the Clippers have any lack of faith in their medical staff, right? This isn't one of those situations. As frustrating as all of this is, they've done, I hate to say it, they've done the right thing, right? Like we could all bitch and complain about load management, but like, you know, and Kawhi Leonard's the poster boy for load management, but the best you can do in this era of the NBA, if you've got stars or players who um, are recovering from tough injuries or who have just chronic issues, you rest them on back-to-backs. You try to keep their minutes down. You do everything that we have learned in recent NBA history through sports science, through all of the other ways that they can now measure a guy's health, his fatigue, all of that. I think the Clippers are doing all that. It's a really smart organization. Some of this, all of this, it's just happenstance. You you just, so the question still, I, I know at the end of the day is like, can they win a championship? How much faith do you have? I, on talent alone? On paper, they will go into next season, assuming, let's just say it's the exact same roster. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard at the top, you know, Norm Powell, Mason Plumlee, Zubac, bring back Russ on on a, uh, on a small cap exception of some sort. He's made plenty of money. He'll be fine. Um, <laughs> bring it all back. I guarantee you, when we're all sitting down in October to rank the West, I mean, I don't know what the rest of the teams are going to do. But we're going to put them right in there again, saying, hey, they're a top four team in the West with a shot to make the finals. They will because of those two guys alone, as long as we reach October with them healthy. And then the question is going to become, can they reach April healthy? And will they still be healthy in May and or June? Like, I, I don't know any other way to look at it. And, and the thing is, if you don't have if the answer to my to your question were no, I don't have faith in them. And whether it's me saying that whether that's Lawrence Frank feeling that, right? Steve Ballmer says to Lawrence Frank, listen, man, we've been doing this for four years. We're not getting anywhere. What else? You know, I don't, I, I've lost faith. Let's say that's the, the question. Ballmer says to, to Lawrence Frank, I've lost faith in these two guys as, as our, the engine of our, of our team. What do you got? What's our alternative? Like Lawrence Frank's going to like shrug emoji at him. Like he's, he's like, what is he, like, what could you possibly do? Even if you wanted to like take this to the extreme, trade them, see what you can get. You're not getting anybody near the same caliber. You might be able to replenish all the draft picks you sent out in the Paul George deal, but you're not moving the ball forward. I think that I really think that the only thing they can do, it's not even a choice. The only thing they can do is to run it back, hope for the best. And look, the intermediate thing here is whether you extend or not, I might hesitate to extend like that. I would say that I would say that thought next coming up. We're going to get into whether or not the Clippers should extend Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. What's going to happen with Russell Westbrook going to be talking about it all coming up. I got to tell you a little something about prize picks. Prize picks is the best daily fantasy entry app on the app store. Every day of the NBA playoffs and finals, one prize picks user will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time will be randomly selected each day, and whoever placed that entry will be given a six-pick flex with the following payouts. If you get six correct picks, you'll get a million dollars. If you get five correct picks, you'll get $80,000. And if you get four correct picks, you have $16,000. 
Full details can be found at prizepicks.com slash million. You must opt in at this link to be eligible for the million dollar entry. And once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal and you could be the lucky winner. And prize picks lets you pick two to six players and predict if they will score more or less than the prize picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry and you're not competing against any person. It's just you and the projections available and it's available for all sports, NBA, MLB, NHL, I'm taking the over on Jalen Brown's points on Monday. I don't know why, but I have a feeling he's going to come up with a big game against Philly. And entries can be made in 60, 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals. Just download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, bucks, PrizePix will give you $50. Bucks. Don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, so the Clippers have a couple of big decisions to make going into next season. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are soon to be extension eligible, I believe. I'm not sure if they're going to demand it because they're set to make about 95 to 100 million over the next two seasons if they opt into that last uh, year of their contract. And then Russell Westbrook, you know, given the new rules, can the, the Clippers can't pay him a certain amount. Let me ask you, what do you think the possibilities are that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George ask for an extension? And then what Westbrook situation is? I'd say start with Westbrook because there are a lot of Clipper fans and Russ fans that have really latched on to this Russell Westbrook with the Clippers and have really enjoyed what we've gotten out of him and have kind of rejuvenated his career that seemed like it was going in the wrong direction. So the Westbrook thing is interesting. Um, real quick, I'm just going to uh, refer to uh, cap expert, my good friend, Bobby Marks, because he broke this down in uh, his postseason uh, or offseason prospectus on the Clippers. Uh, he notes because of the new collective bargaining agreement, the Clippers have only the $3.8 million non-bird exception to offer Westbrook. Um, and he also notes who has earned $339 million in his career. So again, as I alluded to earlier, Russ can afford to take the pay cut. Um is 3.8 million enough to, to bring Russ back? Look, he's he's from LA. He was obviously very happy to be there. He was obviously very unhappy that things didn't go well with the Lakers and that they offloaded him. He he had the, the good fortune of there being another LA team to land with and never having to, to actually move. I gotta think that on some level, based on where he is in his career, based on on his age, based on his his LA roots, uh, comfort level with that group, certainly a comfort level with Paul George in particular. And pretty good results after that bumpy start. Is three point eight million enough? Like I, I'm gonna guess yes, right? I don't know. I'm not Russ's accountant, and I'm I'm not Russ. But if if he's willing to do it, I think it's it's a no brainer because you have to bake into the season the fact that one or both of your stars are gonna miss some time. Also, that there's gonna be some nights where you just would rather lean on somebody else to keep them fresh, right? And and Russ, for whatever faults he may have, and he does have some, um, at this stage of his career, it seems clear that he's much more willing to kind of play that complementary role and facilitator role. He's an easier fit with those guys than I think he ever was going to be with LeBron. I never thought that was a good idea for the Lakers, and it didn't go well there. I think he's an easier fit for the Clippers and a more logical fit. So, you know, let's assume for a minute that Russ is okay with, you know, coming down to what's essentially kind of almost a minimum deal at this point. It's, you know, it's, uh, you know, the non-bird exception. 
I, I, I got to think that if he's willing to take it, the Clippers are going to, are going to keep him. Um, it, it's really hard to, if he goes, are you just turning it over to Terrence Mann at the position? Are you going out and shopping for somebody else? What are the, what are the odds that you're going to find somebody who can make as great of an impact as he can? So I think he's back. I think if he's willing to take that 3 million, absolutely. The Clippers are going to bring him back. The, the, the only thing about it is I've heard some rumblings that Westbrook just wants to have his, get as much money as he can um, before he retires. If that's true, then I don't think we're going to be able to get him back, sadly. Well, all right, so let, let me interrupt for a second. Before. Possibly, possibly. But when you look around the teams that have cap room, and I don't have the list in front of me right now, but as is often the case, it's going to be like the Pistons. Like, he's not going to Detroit. It's you know, the Magic. Like, is he going to Orlando? Like, it's it's usually teams that are, that are not contending, um, often that are young and may, may not want a veteran of that impact anyway because – they don't want it to take away from their youth development. Right. So, you know, the Rockets, I mean, I, I don't think that's happening. I don't think he's going back there. Um, and besides that, if any, if any aging star is going there uh, again, it sounds like it may be James Harden. So I don't know, like if he's looking for the payout, I don't know where that is, to be honest. So that wrote that that's in the Clippers favor as well. In this, That's a good point. As far as Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, you said they, the Clippers organization doesn't really have anywhere to go. Now, how come you're saying that? Because there's some Clipper fans that are saying this isn't going to work. We have to do something. How come you're so confident that this is the only way to go? Are you saying it because you don't think Bomber is down to get any worse? Because obviously if we trade one of them, you are absolutely right that we are not going to get a player of their caliber back. It would have to be to, as you said, replenish the picks that we lost uh, with Oklahoma and just, basically go a different direction or retool, maybe look for a second star that may not be as good as Paul George to team up with Kawhi, maybe somebody younger, more reliable. I don't know if any team would trade us a guy like that. I don't know who that guy could be, but how come you think that it's so unlikely that the Clippers make any sort of move with those two? Just because there's, there's very, very, very little chance you're getting another star in return, right? So let's look at who the stars are that might move this summer. Right. And these are all speculative. Damian Lillard has not yet asked out. He right. still he still may never. We we do this exercise every year, and every year he says, "I'm good in Portland." Maybe this is the year that changes. Um, he's most often been tied in in league gossip circles to Brooklyn because of his friendship with Mikhail Bridges. He magically appeared at at the Nets' uh, final playoff game at Barclays a couple weeks ago. I was there, um, but Lillard's I don't I don't know that Lillard's the answer, and I don't know like the trailblazers if they're if they're trading him are trading him for picks and youth the clippers right. have no picks to trade you're not trading him for paul george or Kawhi leonard um bradley beal more or less the same problem and again probably not being traded uh is carl anthony towns going to be on the block is trey young going to be on the block probably not but if any of these guys could become available are those the logical moves for those franchises now towns is an interesting one right Let's just play with that one for a minute, just for fun. I don't know that they're at that point, but they can't trade Rudy Gobert because they've got a sunk cost issue there. They're not going to get back any of the value that you got for him. Plus you got him because you wanted him to become your defensive anchor. And if you decide that he and and Towns are not compatible or it's time to make a a bold move, you're not dealing Anthony Edwards and you're probably keeping Rudy Gobert as as, as your defensive anchor now. Is there a Towns Kawhi or a Towns Paul George thing possible? That's kind of interesting because the Kawhi or Paul George could actually be nice running mates for a while, short term, with Anthony Edwards. 
and plus they both you know play defense at a high enough level that the two you know one of those guys plus Rudy Gobert plus, wow now you start to have something kind of interesting like that's int- that's intriguing from a Timberwolves standpoint is a Kawhi let's let's say it's Paul George they trade is a Kawhi Carl Anthony Towns core uh, moving you forward with the Clippers maybe oh you know what Towns just missed like two thirds of the season himself so. I'm just saying, like, you you can go down these speculative paths. You can play with this. And I literally just did all that off the top of my head. So uh, uh, don't don't nitpick it to death, listeners. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, riffing here. If you go through the the league, it's, it's just hard to find where the logical deal is that actually moves the Clippers forward. And on top of that, there's the obvious, right? They're moving into a new arena in a year. And this is why the extension uh, questions come into play, too. In general, conventional wisdom is you go into a new building with a a high-level roster, with a group that can sell tickets. And, you know, I saw it here in Brooklyn when the Nets moved from New Jersey. And it was the wrong move, by the way. They they went all in on Darren Williams, Joe Johnson, and they had Brooke Lopez. So they had this, like, outline of a big three, but it was kind of a fake big three. But they wanted star power, marquee power, to sell tickets in a new city. The Clippers aren't moving to a new city, but it is a new arena and you you are going to want to charge a premium and you are going to want to have as much star power as possible. This is not the right time to be taking a step back in that regard. I'm guessing the marketing and business side is begging the basketball side, if they have to, um, to just not don't mess with this. Keep the stars um, and, and, and by all, all by all means, bring back Russ, too, because that's going to help us sell tickets. You don't want to be selling a rebuilding team. And look, I understand the frustration of Clipper fans for sure, but it, this, this, this just is where they are. Uh, I, I, you know, this is the deal that they, that they bargained or this the, the bargain they made with themselves four years ago. I think you just got to see it through until the wheels fall off. Well, coming up, going to be talking about, so Howard worked for the LA daily news covering the Lakers way back when I want to talk to him about, what the Clippers were like then, how much they've grown, and maybe just taking a big-picture look at what has been a disappointing era so far for the Clippers and maybe why it's not as bad as you may think. Going to be talking about that coming up. All right, so to end the show, Howard, I want to talk to you about your time with the Lakers. So first, I couldn't even find on the Wikipedia what era that was that you uh, covered the Lakers. So let me know what it was, and then I'll go from there. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, way, way back in the dark ages. That's, that's the best way to put it. Well, Wikipedia probably doesn't have that reference. Um, it was 97 was when I first started covering the Lakers. So the year after Shaq and Kobe got there and through 2004, which is the year that they lost to the Pistons in the finals. And then they traded Shaq that off season. So that was the end of the Shaq Kobe era. So I was pretty much there for the, almost the entirety of the Shaq and Kobe era and through the three championships, all of that. Um, the Clippers at that time, you know, when I first started covering the Lakers, the Lakers were still at the Forum, and the Clippers were still at the LA Sports Arena. Yep, um, which was just a horrendous building, by the way. Um, and you know, the Clippers—that is still the heart of the Donald Sterling era. For all of the other awful things about Donald Sterling that people now think about him for, the fact was he was just a really crappy owner too. He was cheap. Um, I'll never forget this. There was a year you'd have to look this up, but there was a year where if I'm recalling the details correctly, I'm pretty sure on this though, 90% sure they made a trade for, I think it was Vinny Del Negro 
just to get to the salary floor. You know, there's a minimum payroll you have to meet in the NBA and there's no big penalty for missing it. If you don't uh, hit the minimum payroll, you just have to uh, take the difference and distribute it among all the players on your roster. But usually teams try to get to the salary floor. Maybe that provision wasn't even there back then, but they made a trade for Vinny Del Negro and immediately waived him just so they could get to the salary floor. Like this was a team that their, their, their goal was basically to be the lowest payroll in the, in the league every year. They never re-signed uh, their own players. If their players were of any consequence, they were a team that was in LA, but never had the advantages of being in LA by chasing big stars um, all the way up until when they finally got Elton brand. Like that was the big breakthrough. There was a, there was a period of time there where Eric Pietkowski, I believe was like the highest paid clipper in franchise history. Uh, and I, I, or it was like the, like the, the biggest re-signing or something. There was, there was an Eric Pietkowski marker there um, to having to do with his, his salary. So they were cheap. They were terribly run. Um, they were complacent. They, they just, they just were never a factor. They were a joke, frankly. Um, Sports Illustrated at one point put them on the cover with the headline of something to the effect of, you know, worst franchise in America or something or worst franchise in pro sports. And they were, it was impossible to argue against. So uh, they were, you know, it was, it was bad. It was a joke. And um, they have come a long way since then, you know, a lot of credit to first, basically to Mike Dunleavy, by the way, like even those those later Donald uh, Sterling years, like, Dunleavy is the one who started really pushing that franchise forward and creating some uh, some respectability and some some uh, some continuity. Um, they were legitimately in the running for Kobe in, in 2004. He seriously considered jumping ship. Uh, those stories are, are out there. You, you know, people can look that up. But like there was there was a, a, a turning point there that began in the Dunleavy era. And then continued through new, the, the time that Neil O'Shea was running them. And then, you know, obviously you get to, to Lob City, which is partially an accident, right? Like if David Stern doesn't step in as steward of the New Orleans franchise, not as commissioner, but as steward of the New Orleans franchise, um, if he doesn't step in and negate the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers, then Lob City never really happens either, right? So yeah. the combination of, you know, the ping pong balls getting them Blake, the, the Chris Paul deal, Doc Rivers coming, um, and then this era that they're in now, and this is why I say, by the way, having seen this evolution of the Clippers from 97, when I first started covering the NBA and covering the Lakers through the present, I consider, I, this is, I, this is a weirdly controversial statement in some quarters. I consider this era a success, even if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George never lead them to the finals, even if they never win a championship, as frustrating as this era is, this is the first time in the entire history of the LA Clippers that two of the best players in the league chose them in tandem, wanted to be there. You know, Blake Griffin was drafted. Chris Paul right. didn't choose there. Chris Paul got traded there and he would have preferred at the time to be with the Lakers. This is the first time in history. And so now to me, that changes the way that they are perceived forever. The Clippers no longer have to worry about all the baggage of their past or can they compete um, on, on nearly equal ground with the Lakers to attract star players, whether it's a forced trade and a guy wants to come or whether it's a free agency, whether it's top coaches, even Doc Rivers chose them, right? For the longest time, they were going with, you know, a lot of retreads and, you know, in the coaching chair. The Clippers are not the same franchise anymore. And that started to change with Lob City, but the, the Kawhi Leonard, Paul George dual acquisition to me changed the image and the credibility of the Clippers forever. And so to me, as frustrating as it may be that the results haven't matched that, 
to me, this, this, this era is still a success because we'll never look at them the same way again. No, that's a great point you make. I also do want to double down on the shout out to Mike Dunleavy and um, the mid two thousands Clippers. That's the reason I'm a Clipper fan. Elton brand. I mean, I, I think people need to go check out that 0506 season and how incredible he really was postseason and regular season. But the point you make about Kawhi coming, I really want Clipper fans to understand that. And I also think it's not even Clipper fans. It's more fans of other teams that need to understand that because you're right. Even if the Clippers never do make the finals, even if we never even make it back to the conference finals, Kawhi Leonard's decision to come here has probably changed the future of what the LA Clippers are going to be looked at like, because for him to be at the top of the basketball mountain finals MVP, and then choose to go to, as you said, historically the worst franchise in the history of basketball. That's a choice that he made that no other star has ever done. And before, when you came to LA as a free agent, you didn't even look at the Clippers. There was no alternative. It wasn't even thought of because of Sterling. Now you have a real alternative. If you like what the Clippers are doing better, you can choose them. And it's not going to be like, you're not going to be taken care of like with Sterling. So Kawhi Leonard's decision, hopefully for us, and I think it will, will have long-term implications on how free agents view the Clippers as a potential destination. Um, so that's a really good point. And I just want to correct myself too, uh, real quickly. Uh, obviously Elton Brand was traded there. That was the Tyson Chandler uh, deal. Yeah. So like he didn't necessarily choose them either. Although several years later, Baron Davis did choose them because he was going to play with Elton and then Elton went yeah, to Philly was- instead. And there was that whole controversy, but, um, yeah. but Baron chose them and Baron was still a pretty good player at that point too. So it's, but the, but that, that era is, is uh, yeah, that's where the evolution kind of starts, right? Like there's, there's, there's starting to be a different feel there. Um, and they were pursuing players at that point. Like, I'm telling you, this is, and it's, I know this sounds incredibly bizarre to younger fans who didn't live through it. There was a time when the LA Clippers, despite being in Los Angeles, a place that every player in the league would love to live, great weather, all the perks that come with it. And even after they're at Staples Center, they're no longer in the decrepit sports arena, that the Clippers literally were not pursuing the top free agents. They just kind of wrote it off. It wasn't even an interest of theirs for the longest time. It's crazy to think about that any franchise, especially a franchise in a prime, you know, uh, big market, glamour destination that nobody ever, that they didn't even try, that they weren't even in the pursuit of these players. And, you know, so that that was a, a, a sea change where, you know, under Dunleavy, they start to pursue those guys and then under Neil O'Shea. And then again, eventually you start to get these players, some credibility builds up. Now, now guys want to come there. Now they're willing to spend. Um, it is, it is just a, a completely different, um, just a different image and a, and a different uh, way of operating. Now the Clippers are a legit franchise. Now they were not for a very long time. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Baron Davis because he did end up coming, but if you hear what Baron Davis has to say about the Clippers now, it didn't help Ster- Sterling's case whatsoever. Uh, no, no. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Howard, I really appreciate it. So in, in retrospect, Clippers most likely running it back. Um, as far as the extensions, I, I'm not sure what the Clippers will do there. I don't even know if they'll demand it. Um, do you think they'll demand it? Last question, I guess. The the general conventional wisdom in this league is that players, especially when they've gotten a little bit older with an injury history, you're always trying to lock in as many years and as as much money as you can just because you never know when the end might come, right? So you're usually going for as much financial security as possible. The one thing that's changed in recent years is that because the league is is making so much money now, um, you know, 10 billion plus for the league, half of which goes to the players by virtue of the collective bargaining agreement, individual player contracts, max contracts are so 
enormous now that where once upon a time you'd say, well, you got, you got to max out every time because you got to get your financial security. These guys already have all the financial security they could, they could ever need after their first, you know, si- you know, th- that their, their first non-rookie contract, right? So two, two contracts in you're set for life easily or several lifetimes. And so there's no, you know, easy for me to say it's not my bank account, but I don't think there's any um, urgency for Paul George or Kawhi Leonard based on the financial side of it to extend. They might want it anyway. That's still, again, it's still generally the conventional wisdom. You, when you're eligible for it, you go for it, um, you know, in case you blow out your knee and, and your career's over. You usually want to lock in. So my guess is there's at least a conversation there. Maybe the, the Clippers try to go a little shorter term. Maybe there's a, there's a middle ground there to try to protect themselves a little bit, um, given the injury histories of both guys. But I'd be shocked if there wasn't at least a discussion. Yeah, and, and also especially the you know the money they're still going to be making over these next two years is that's a lot. They may I don't know if they'll see that kind of money again in terms of what teams offer them after. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Like even if you've made hundreds of millions as these guys have, um, if there's still another hundred million that you're eligible to get, why wouldn't you ask for it? Right. Um, I don't know how you spend all that. I, I don't know how many possible generations you need to set up. But um, again, it's not my money or my bank account or my my grandchildren who uh who are at issue so I, I would guess that they'll they'll probably have that discussion well howard this was great i really appreciate you bringing your insight um on the locked on clippers let the good people know where they can find you uh you can find me on twitter at howard beck uh you can find all my written work uh for the the moment i'm writing for gq sports so you can find my stuff at gq.com i have an authory page that's like the word author with a y on the end authory.com backslash howard beck all of my stuff for GQ, my previous stuff for Sports Illustrated, the New York Times, not the Daily News, unfortunately, because their website uh, publicly is not um, searchable, I guess. So uh, the author page cannot collect from there. But uh, everything else, all I've got is there. And of course, I will be uh, making the rounds on the Lockdown Network for uh, the next couple of months. So uh, you'll be uh, you'll be hearing me often, probably. <laughs> Thank you. Are the Clippers going to bring back Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? Will Russell Westbrook return? All those will be covered here this summer on Locked on Clippers. The age-old proverb continues. Go Clippers. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.